it is one of those jobs out of all the jobs that you've ever had that um, it just seems to fit. It's like your skills and your experience and your education fit perfectly with the job requirements that you're required to fulfill. It's like a puzzle piece. You like your job. You like that it's not too far from work where you live. You like your coworkers. But there's a problem. The problem is, is that you have only gotten two raises in five years. One at 2% and the other at 3%. You still only get five small cubicle days a year. And you are in the same small cubicle that you had when you first started. So after talking with your family members and friends and Pastor Rod, you decide to go to your boss and make an ask. You decide to go to your boss and ask if you can have a 3% raise, 10 days of PTO, and a larger workspace. So you do. And this is what your boss says. Boss picture. There we go. This is what your boss says. Your boss says, wow. You have obviously been thinking about this a lot. Maybe too much. In fact, I'm guessing that you have been thinking about this not only when you're off, but when you're on the clock. Which means that you've been thinking about this instead of doing your work and therefore stealing time from the company. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you that bigger workspace. But from now on, you need to work double time. You need your double, your workload is going to be doubled, and you're going to need to come in on Saturdays from now on. And that he does. He doubles your workload, he makes you come in on Saturdays, and he gives you a larger workspace in the basement where there are more spiders than people. And so now, this is you. (laughs) What do you want to do at that point? You want to quit, right? You want to get out of there. But the problem is, is that you've already looked at the job market, and the job market isn't there for you. There just aren't jobs out there that fit with your experience, your skills, and your education. You've got to stay. And that's when the why questions start. Why me? Why did I have to make that ask? Why couldn't I just keep my big yapper shut? Why did I ask Pastor Rod? (laughs) He graduated from Georgia Tech after all. Okay, cheap shot. (laughs) Truth is, I root for Georgia Tech and UGA to win as long as they're not playing Purdue and Duke, my first loves. But nevertheless, you're asking yourself, why did I make the ask? 
If you can somehow imagine this scenario happening, then you can imagine what it must have been like for the Israelites. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt and had been for hundreds of years. And Moses, who was out in the wilderness somewhere, way outside of Egypt, he was tending to sheep in the wilderness, sees this bush that catches fire and isn't being consumed by the fire. Now, obviously, Moses went to look because if you're ever in the wilderness for days just listening to sheep bleat, you're going to go check out anything that is different. So Moses went over to the burning bush, and God spoke to him out of that bush. God said, I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to tell Pharaoh to free the Israelites from slavery and let them leave the country. A big ask. But God convinced Moses, God convinced God a whole that God was bigger than the ask. Even so, the first ask did not go so well. When Moses asked, Pharaoh said, who is this God you're talking about? I don't know this God. Why are you keeping the people from working? Tell them to get back to work. These people, these Israelites are lazy. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep the same quota for the bricks, but instead of the Egyptians providing the straw, now your Israelites need to go provide the straw to make the bricks and keep the same quota. Things got worse than they got better. Moses took this to heart, so he began to ask these why questions. Moses returned to the Lord and said, why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? In this why question, God is question, or Moses is questioning God's plans. Is this what you planned all along, God? Is this what you planned to make things worse for the Israelites and not better? Then he asked another why question. Is this why you sent me? In this question, Moses is questioning God's character. Did you lie to me, God? You told me that you were going to free the Israelites from slavery. Now things are worse. Did you lie to me? Are you a liar, God? Then he said, Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. In this why statement, God is questioning God's timing. Why did you not free the Israelites on the first ask? The great Moses of our faith, the great Moses of the Jewish faith, doesn't look so great here, does he? But does not send down a lightning bolt and toast Moses like a marshmallow. By the way, I don't know wherever that got started. Nowhere in the Bible do I see God sending lightning bolts to toast people. 
Um, but we hear it all the time, don't we? But that's what we expect. We expect that when we ask hard questions of God, that God's going to get angry with us. That God's going to punish us for asking the hard questions. But this is the thing. Moses questioned his plans. Moses questioned his character. Moses questioned his timing. And yet God was gracious with him. I, for one, can attest to the graciousness of God when asking hard questions. I would not go back and live the last 16 and a half years over again. They were hard. I can count seven specific events that Jill and I have gone through. I'm not going to go through the details, but seven different events that we have gone through that were dark, that were hard. Some of them, one of them we're going through still. And most of them are so dark that if you haven't gone through it, it would be hard to understand the depth of the darkness. And in those dark times, I've asked a lot of hard questions of God. I've asked, why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve this? If you are good, God, why are you making me go through this? If you are so mighty and powerful as the Bible says, why don't you just snap your fingers and make this situation go away? If you are such the great healer that we see in the Bible, why don't you just snap your fingers and heal us? You promise us in the Bible that you have plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a future and a hope. But you are harming me, God. Why are you harming me? In the future, just when we seem to get past something, something else comes up. Hard questions, at least for me, they're hard questions. But God has always been compassionate with me. Though I've not always seen it in the midst of the darkness, when I look back at those times, I see that God has never forsaken me. God has never left me. Instead of striking me down with a lightning bolt, he has been compassionate to me and given me times of peace in the midst of the struggle. So please, church, do not hold back your questions. Do not hold them back. They are not a lack of faith. Ask them. Don't hold them back. The thing is, is that if you stuff them, if you hold back the hard questions, that's what leads to doubt. That's what leads to faithlessness. That's what leads to disillusionment. That's what leads to despair. It's when you get them from the closer 
to God. Because remember, Christ followers, we're not in an adversarial relationship with God. We are in a personal, close relationship with the God of the universe. And he is not afraid of our hard questions. Now, picking Moses' story back up, God does uh, something that he doesn't usually do for us. He answers Moses audibly. He answers his questions audibly. Now, that doesn't happen too often with us, right? Usually, we get answers to our prayers um, when we pray. Um, A lot of times for me, I'm just reading Scripture, uh, just randomly reading Scripture, and then all of a sudden, a scripture just pops out I've, that I've read before, but it pops out and it answers the question that I've been asking. Sometimes we get the answers through godly counsel by talking with other Christ followers. Rarely is it audible, but God speaks directly to Moses and says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. God answered Moses. And to sum it all up was those last three words. I am the Lord. You can trust me, Moses. You can trust me. I will do this. You do your part and I will do my part. You can trust this. I've got this. You can believe that God's got this. You can believe that. Moses trusted what he heard from God. And then he did what God said to do. He went to the Israelites to tell them what God had said. But this is what happened. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Again, Moses hit a roadblock. He goes to the Israelites to give them good news, and they don't believe him, because they were in the darkness, under harsh labor and discouragement. (coughs) Excuse me. They didn't believe him, which leads us to the next point. 
And that is not everyone will agree with the purpose. Not everyone will agree. Even some of your closest family members and friends. This is a picture of Dr. Ignaz Semmelweis. Dr. Semmelweis was an obstetrician in Vienna, uh, Austria in the mid-1800s. He was very concerned <coughs> because there were so many women after giving birth contracting a fever a few days later and dying. The mortality rates were off the charts. So he had this idea, I believe given to him by God, but he had this idea that because people weren't washing their hands in between patients, in fact, sometimes doctors were doing autopsies in the morgue and then going directly to deliver babies without washing their hands, that that was the reason for the mortality rate. So he made it a policy. This was before germs were discovered, by the way. He made it a policy that they had to wash their hands in a lime um, uh, mixture before they touched another patient. And the mortality rates dropped. Less and less women got the fever. Less and less women died. He then published a book for his colleagues, for other doctors across the country with his findings. And he was laughed off the stage. They didn't believe him. He became so deeply depressed that he was tricked into going into an insane asylum. That's what they called them back then. When he realized that he was tricked, he tried to escape they was caught, he was put in a straitjacket, and in the straitjacket was beaten mercilessly. Two weeks later, he died, many believe because he was beaten so mercilessly. Dr. Ignaz had a purpose, and people didn't believe him. It would have been. Now, can you imagine how bad? The pandemic would have been, been, it was bad enough. But think about how bad it would have been if we weren't washing our hands and using hand sanitizer. Dr. Isnaz is a hero, is a hero in my opinion. Well, just like Dr. Ignaz, Moses wasn't believed either. Now at this point, when Moses goes and he tells the Israelites that they're going to be freed, what God had said, and they tell him to get lost, no one would have blamed Moses for giving up. Right? Pharaoh is laughing in his face. Uh, the Israelites are telling, to, telling him to leave them alone. There's no one who would have blamed him for giving up. And Moses asked a lot of hard questions. But if you read Moses' story, you will see that the questions that I outlined, the three that I outlined today, were not the only questions 
that he asked. I went through his story, and there are recorded from the burning bush to the time that he got to Mount Sinai, 12 recorded hard questions. And that's just the ones that were recorded. 12 hard questions that he asked along the way. But here's the point. He didn't give up. He asked a hard question. He took a step of obedience. The hard question. The hard question. He took a step of obedience. He asked a hard question. He took a step of obedience. On and on and on. In fact, the scripture says, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. This is what I believe. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. His purpose for you is not just to exist on this planet. God has a purpose for your life. His purpose for you is not just to survive this life that we have. God has a purpose for your life. A purpose that goes beyond the routine of just getting up every morning, going to work, coming home, making supper, watching TV. God has a purpose for your life that goes beyond scrolling through Facebook <laughs> or other social media, playing video games, or reading novels. God has a purpose for your life beyond just doing chores, like sweeping the house, getting groceries, and my favorite, cleaning the toilets. <laughs> God has a purpose for your life to make a difference. As I was thinking about this in my own life and what God's purposes are for me, I came up with a list. And I'm just going to share it with you. Not that this should be your list, but just to get your good a husband as I can be to my wife, Jill, to build her up and to love her. God's purpose for my life is to be as good a father as I can be to my adult children, to build them up and to love them as much as I can. God's purpose for my life and my work is to help people who are dying by training and equipping hospice chaplains to be the best caregivers that they can be. My purpose at work is to help the grieving by equipping and training hospice bereavement coordinators to know how to walk alongside grieving people in their grief journey. My purpose here at Crossroads is to use the gift of preaching that God has given me when called upon. God's purpose for me at Crossroads is to help hurting people as a person and as the pastor 
the pastoral care pastor here at Crossroads. Those are the purposes that God has given me. Did you notice that they weren't flashy? Um, God has not called me to go to Vladimir Putin and tell him to leave Ukraine alone. Thank you, Jesus. God has not called me to go to Biden and Trump and make them best friends. Thank you, Jesus. They're not flashy, but they're significant because they're about building into other people. God has a purpose for your life. What is that purpose? If you don't know, ask him. Pray and ask him. Talk to your family and friends. What do they see? Talk to other <coughs> godly people, other Christ followers, and ask them what they see. Go to the um, connect to your purpose class that's coming up and find out how you're uniquely wired. Think about what is your role with your family? What is your role with your friends? What is your role with your coworkers? What is your role at work? What is your role here at Crossroads of being beyond just a passive listener to becoming an active participant in spreading God's work around the world and in this community. God has a purpose for your life. You know, when we get to the end of our lives and we die, do we really want people sitting around and saying, boy, they loved to scroll through Facebook. We want them to talk about the difference that we made on this planet. And with God's power and God's purpose, you will make a difference. You will. So what do we have to do? We have to be like Moses. We ask the hard questions. Because will there be hardships <clears throat> in living out <clears throat> that purpose? Probably. Will there be roadblocks? Probably. Will there be doubters? Probably. Will there be failures? Probably. But we need to be like Moses and ask the hard questions and then take the next step in obedience and then ask the hard question and take the next step of obedience and so on and so forth until the day that God calls us Today, if you are not a Christ follower and you have not yet made Jesus your Savior and Lord, you can live out one of God's purposes for you right here and now. In the scripture I'm going to read, it reveals God's purpose for Jesus and God's purpose for you. Ephesians 1. In Jesus we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. In the scripture, God reveals the purpose that he had for Jesus. Jesus, who is God, was to leave his throne in heaven, to come to earth, to live a perfect life, a life completely without sin. And God's purpose was for him to go to the cross. And on the cross, take the sins of all of us, past, present, and future, take all of the sins of the world upon himself and take the punishment for those sins that you and I deserve. So could be wiped clean. So that our sin slate could be wiped clean. The scripture reveals God's purpose for you. God's purpose for you is that you will be forgiven. That your sin slate will be wiped clean. And that heaven will be in your future. So this is what you do. To get there, all you have to do is to ask for forgiveness. Go to Jesus Confess your sins and ask for forgiveness and you will be forgiven. Heaven will be in your future. And then promise to follow him as the Lord of your life for the rest of your life until God calls you home. If you are ready to make that prayer, I invite you to pray with me now. Let's pray. All you have to do is now make this prayer sincerely. And I'm going to prompt you on what you might say. First of all, confess your sins to God. Tell him specifically how you have sinned. Now sincerely ask for forgiveness of your sins and believe that Jesus is a Savior. Thank Him now for forgiving you and cleansing your sin slate. Thank Him for that. Praise Him for that. Now promise to follow him as the Lord, the leader of your life for the rest of your life.
Now ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you will be able to keep Friend, if you prayed that prayer in sincerity, today you fulfilled one of God's purposes for you. You are forgiven. Heaven is in your future. And now for all of us, God, I pray a prayer of thanks that you are a God who is in close relationship with us, that you are a God who allows us to ask the hard questions. We thank you for that. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your graciousness. I pray, Almighty God, that you will give us the strength and the wisdom not to get stalled in those hard questions, but just to take the next step, whatever that step is. Give us that wisdom. Give us that strength to take that step. And Lord, we pray that you will show us your purpose for this life. Show us your purposes. And then give us the strength to live them out so that we can make a difference to the day you call us home. This we pray in Jesus' name.